from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross my debt to pay from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky Lord I lift your name on high Lord I lift your name on high Lord I lift your name on high Lord we thank you this morning in this place we are gathered in the name of Jesus you came from heaven that's what we celebrate at Christmas being reminded how you came, you were born as a baby, that we might know you, that we might know your love. We thank you for the privilege of worship and the time that we gather. May we honor you with our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please? Oh 
draw near to him. Draw near to him. He is here with us. Give him your love. He's in love with us. He will heal our hearts. He will cleanse our hands. If we rend our hearts, he will heal our land. next week okay would you stand I want us to read uh, this scripture verse together if you stand please and then we'll sing for our offertory time all right and then the boys and girls after this can go to children's church so let's read together 
The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You're my Lord, my strength and my strength as you have directed as you have taught us help us to honor you with our praises not only from our voices and our lips but let it come deep from our spirit lord as you have made us alive in christ help us to speak the words of life to others help us to be ministers and those that can be helps for your kingdom's work lord make us useful help us to be planters of seed that will grow into faith as you minister through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for all of this, the weeks leading up to uh, Christmas next week. Thank you for providing us a sanctuary where we can sing your praises. But help us to be in the world that 
extension of your light that others may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of worship in this place this morning. May our offering come to you from gratitude and thanksgiving with praise always on our lips and in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. During a winter storm on December 17, 1927, the U.S. Navy submarine S-4 was conducting speed and maneuverability tests just off the coast of Provincetown, Massachusetts. As it was surfacing, it was accidentally rammed and sunk by a United States Coast Guard destroyer pulling on routine patrol. And in spite of the freezing weather, severe, freezing water and severe weather, heroic efforts were made to rescue six crewmen trapped in the forward torpedo room. They were able to communicate with their rescuers by tapping messages in Morse code on the hull of the sunken ship. But as the weather worsened, the hours dragged on, their oxygen was almost depleted when the divers received what was to be one of their last messages. Is there any hope? Now, if we pay much attention to the news at all, we're aware that that question continues to haunt our world. Because just as Herod received news of Jesus' birth and then gave orders to kill all the baby boys in the region, too often we continue to hear about stories about the slaughter of innocents coming out of places like Aleppo. Those trapped there asking, is there any hope? Or millions of refugees who have fled their homes with little more than the clothes on their back, braving the dangers of overloaded life rafts, extreme weather, only to wind up in overcrowded and under-resourced refugee camps across Europe, simply because they wanted a safe place to live and work and raise their families. And they ask, is there any hope? We hear the cries of many in our own country who have fled their countries, crossed our borders, sometimes illegally, in search of a better future, not just for them, but for their children. And we hear it from those caught in cycles of violence and drugs in our nation's inner cities. Perhaps it's even a question we may have asked during times when things are not going well or when we're facing some crisis. Is there any hope in such a world that we live in? But Christmas is coming. For us, Christmas is often about family and friends and good times and gifts and parties and food. But more than all of this, Christmas is all about hope. It's about hope because it shows in very concrete ways that God cares. He cares enough to get messy, to get his own hands dirty by becoming one of us, not as a full-grown adult, but as a newborn baby, to be cradled in his mother's arms, to feed at her breast, and to have his diapers changed, and to skin his knees. Christmas is about God getting involved 
in life. In your life if you let him. At Christmas, he actually enters into and rolls back the darkness by entering our world and coming alongside of us. That's an amazing thought. That's amazing love. Amazing God who becomes one of us to experience everything we go through because of a love that's not willing to give up on any of us. Even when things may get tough or when we wander. Malcolm Muggeridge pointed out that if Jesus was only a man, he could not have saved us. If he were only God, he would not save us because of his righteousness. But incarnate as both fully God and fully man, he could and did save us. As the saying goes, all the darkness in the world can never extinguish the light from a single solitary candle. And what a candle Christmas is. To quote the Apostle John, it is a light shining in the darkness, and it's a darkness that will never overcome it, because the Word becomes flesh and has made his home among us. There's hope, because Christmas is coming. It's a hope that's been there since long before the first recorded celebration of Christmas on December 25th, 336 A.D., Hope has been associated with Christmas since before the Magi first saw the star in the east. Since before the shepherds were out in the field and heard the angelic chorus. Before even the angel Gabriel went to a young unwed virgin to tell her the news of her pregnancy, hope was associated for Christmas. It could be found hundreds of years before the birth of our Savior by those who paid attention and knew where to look. Because when the armies of Assyria were wreaking havoc through the Middle East in the 8th century B.C., slaughtering the innocents, decimating populations, imposing their rule. They were one of the region's great superpowers. They had already humbled Syria, conquered Damascus, completely destroyed the Jewish brothers in the northern kingdom of Israel that have never been seen again. Judah and Jerusalem were already becoming occupied and seemed certain to follow. And in the midst of their despair, many were asking, is there any hope? And for most, the answer seemed obvious. Their army was too small. Their economy was too weak. Their numbers were too few. All the things our world turns to in times of crisis to find hope, the things we place our trust in to look to for assurance, were not there. Yet just when things seemed darkest, God sends the light of hope with a message that Christmas is coming. Through the prophet Micah, God declared, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. There is hope. Christmas is coming. They just had to wait for it. And when it did come, it was nothing like what they expected. Micah here describes Bethlehem as small among the clans of Judah. Literally, as insignificant, too small to even give a second thought to. Certainly not the type of place appropriate for a king, because you don't search for a king in a small backwater town of at most a couple hundred people. Instead, you go to Jerusalem, a city of David, a center of power and prestige. 
Isn't that where we go in search of hope sometimes? To the things the world says are of value, the state of our economy or our 401k, the strength of our military, a certain political party or candidate, the size of a crowd. The Magi certainly expected this when they went searching. And that's why in Matthew 2 it says, they went first to Jerusalem asking for the one who had born king of the Jews. That's where kings are supposed to be. But while they were there, they were told, Christmas is coming. You're just looking for it in the wrong place. It wasn't to be found in the halls of wealth and power and achievement, but in a manger, because there's no room for him in the inn. The world can be a messy place. It's broken in so many ways, with little hope to be putting back together again. It's like the children's rhyme, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. Professor Howard Hendricks called this rhyme a perceptive parable of our generation. He said, we live in a society in which everything nailed down is coming loose. Things that people said could not happen are happening Thoughtful and unregenerate people are asking, where is the glue to reassemble the disintegration and disarray? And then we look for someone to blame. He said he saw a piece of graffiti in a city, the city of Philadelphia some time ago, scratched across the wall where the words Humpty Dumpty was pushed. <laughs> the world may be broken in many ways, but it's not all the king's horses and all the king's men the wealth and the politicians and the education and the science that's going to fix it and put it back together again. Hope is not found in what you do or what you achieve or what you accomplish. Hope is found in the coming of the one whose birth we celebrate this week. God becoming one of us to put the pieces of our lives back together again if we make room for him in our heart. He cares, and that's why he sent Jesus. Ready or not, Christmas is coming. At the dawn of the first century, it was the Roman legions who were firmly in control of most of the known world. They had rolled through one country after another, establishing garrisons, maintaining order at the point of a sword. And in places like Palestine, Palestine, where people resisted, crosses were like lampposts that lined the streets. In fact, It's estimated that between 50 and 100,000 Jews were crucified during the first century. And while Jewish hatred burned, their resistance refused to abate, there really were few prospects for a better future, and many people were asking, is there any hope? But Matthew knew the words of the prophets. He quoted a contemporary of Micah, the prophet Isaiah, when he wrote, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. As hard as things are, take heart. Christmas is coming. And when it comes, it's not only going to be in a place we may not conceive, it'll be in a way we may not even imagine. Because as the world was looking to Rome, God shifted it on its axis by doing what no one imagined. The virgin will be with child. No ordinary child. He will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Christmas is coming. 
but it sure comes in a way no one expected. To get an idea of how remarkable and inconceivable this was, Phil Bianci described it this way. An unwed mother, homeless, was forced to look for shelter while traveling to meet the heavy taxation demands of a hostile government. She lived in a land recovering from violent civil wars and still in turmoil, a situation much like that in modern Bosnia, Rwanda, or Somalia. Like half of all mothers who give birth today, she gave birth in Asia, in its far western corner, the part of the world that would prove least receptive to the son she bore, and that son became a refugee in Africa, the continent where most refugees can still be found. If you find yourself questioning God's love for you, remember, God entrusted his son to a couple of homeless teenagers in a part of the world and among a race of people who were among the most hated and despised of all. That should affect how we think about and treat those who may be different from us, how we view the refugee problem in the world and the immigrants among us. Again, quoting the prophet, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this because Christmas is coming. Judith Vorst is probably best known for her book whose title itself maybe many of us can relate to. Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. We've all had those days. But she's written a number of other books with great titles like People and Other Aggravations. Or, you're officially a grown-up, the graduate's guide to freedom, responsibility, happiness, and personal hygiene. And then there are her poems on aging with titles like, When Did I Stop Being 20 and Other Injustices? It's Hard to Be Hip Over 30 and Other Tragedies of Married Life. How Did I Get to Be 40 and Other Atrocities? Forever 50 and Other Negotiations. Suddenly 60 and other shocks of later life. I'm too young to be 70 and other delusions. And then unexpectedly 80 and other adaptations. But she's also written a number of poems for children, including a great one written from the perspective of a five or six-year-old boy titled, If I Were in Charge of the World and Other Worries. It begins, If I Were in Charge of the World, I'd Cancel Oatmeal. Monday mornings, and allergy shots. If I were in charge of the world, there'd be brighter nightlights, healthier hamsters, and basketball baskets 40 inch, 8 inches lower. If I were in charge of the world, you wouldn't have lonely, you wouldn't have clean, you wouldn't have bedtimes, or don't punch your sister. In fact, you wouldn't even have sisters. If I were in charge of the world, a chocolate sundae with whipped cream and nuts would be a vegetable. All 007 movies would be G, and a person who sometimes forgot to brush and sometimes forgot to flush would, sometime, would still be allowed to be in charge of the world. 
we just have to look around us to realize if we were in charge of the world, Christmas would look very different if it even came at all. We may have kept the star and the magi and the priceless gifts. We may have kept the angels. But it's very unlikely that there would have been a stable or a feeding trough or shepherds, possibly not even a baby, in their place would more likely be a king and queen and princes and castles. But then where would hope be for those outside the halls of power that no one speaks for? Christmas is coming, and it's for everyone, not just a select few. That's the message we have been entrusted with. God loves you no matter who you are, where you're from, or what you've done. It's not just words. He literally put flesh and bone on those words. During the opening days of the first century, Roman poets, such as Virgil, wrote of the coming of a Savior and Lord. They sang praises of a son of God, God manifested in human form. Their writers were declaring what was called the gospel or the good news of a new world order and the coming of a new age, a golden age of peace and prosperity that would never end. Of course, the one they were referring to as Savior and Lord, declaring to be a son of God and God manifest in human form, wasn't Jesus, it was the emperor Caesar Augustus considered to be the first of the Roman emperors, who ruled from 27 B.C. until his death in 14 A.D. The gospel they spoke of, the good news, was the message of his reign and his accomplishments. This new and golden age of peace and prosperity they spoke of was what was call, is called the Roman Principate, which he replaced the Republic with when he had himself declared the emperor. And in spite of this message and this bold proclamations, still the notoriously cruel Herod was still king in Palestine. Roman garrisons remained throughout the land. Their troops continued stringing up and crucifying Jewish patriots. The streets of Jerusalem were overflowing with panhandlers. Many outside of Rome were asking, is there any hope? Our hope is not in a politician or a political party. Our hope is not in the strength of our military forces. It's not in, the, in our economy or our 401 plans. Our hope is in the birth of the one who was foretold by the angels and the prophets. Our hope is in the one born in a manger because there's no room for him in the inn. Our hope is in the one whose birth was proclaimed by angels and celebrated by shepherds. Our hope is the one greeted by the magi. Ultimately, our hope is in the one who was nailed to a cross because of our sin. And our hope is in the one who conquered death and hell when he rose from the dead. Christmas is coming. Listen to the good news of the angels. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news. I bring you the gospel that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace 
to those on whom his favor rests. For our hymn of invitation in a moment and commitment, let's join the song of the angels when we sing joy to the world. And as we pray, I'm going to ask if the worship team can come and will you join me in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that our hope is founded in the one who death itself could not hold. Born of a virgin in a manger so long ago, he grew up, he lived, he gave of himself and gave himself for us. And then he rose from the dead and he continues to live and to reign eternally. May he be truly our source of hope. Because Christmas is coming, constant reminder of you who gave so that we might live. Amen. Joy to the world, the